Hello there! You are listening to At The Well, the weekly Bible podcast that helps you see yourself in the stories of Scripture. I'm Jarrell. I'm Charles. And I'm Eli. And we are delighted that you're joining us for this week's discussion. Gentlemen, how we doing? How's... Give, give me a, a, a fun anecdote from the week. We, we learned about Charles burping at a restaurant last time. It's <laughs> made my day. Eli, how's Blue? That's, that's a good place to start. I keep saying that every single time he asks me about Blue, but he's just, he keeps getting bigger. I'm just like, all right, you're, you are not the lab dog I thought you were going to be. I now officially have to make the sound when I pick him up now in order to get him up. So he's cute. He's still a puppy, which means he's still a menace and he doesn't mean to be. Um, He is a dog. He's a dog. Arlo is also just a dog. Just a dog. He's, he's very cute, but. Yeah, still very much a puppy. He got his last round of shots uh, yesterday, I think that was. So yeah, he's graduated to no longer need to be vaccinated as much, but he's just a weird dog. He like, he he has a habit of finding things in the house that he knows he shouldn't have. Mm. And we know he knows he shouldn't have them because we'll look at him. And I've literally seen him hold things in his mouth in a way that like it's clear he's trying to hide the fact that something's in his mouth. So like he'll kind of, he won't like... He won't, like, open his mouth to, like, kind of pant. He'll just keep it really closed and, like, lower his head. And we'll just kind of look at him for a bit. Like, what do you have? And he just, he won't move. He'll just, like, stand completely still. And if you take a step toward him, he just runs. <laughs> and then we, like, have to catch him and, like, pry the, uh-huh. like, piece of plastic he found out of his mouth. And Same. just, like, look at him like, what are you doing? Like, just know you're wrong. Oh, my gosh. Well, let's get things started with our question of the week segment. If you'd like to submit questions for us to answer during this segment, you can email us at threeguysatthewell at gmail.com. That's the number three, then guys at the well, all lowercase and one word, at gmail.com. So this is a question that's specific to me, but I'm going to expand it out into a different question. So our friend Orlando sent in a question of how long has Jarrell's hair been? Like, is this the longest that your hair has been? And this, as it is now, is I think the longest I've grown oh, my hair out. Really? Like it's, I grew it out in college for, I think, a, like two years and a week. And then I cut it all off. It was like a birthday present to my mom who for a, like a year and a half pleaded with me to cut it. Um, but I started growing my hair out not long after. Sandy and I got married in 2018 on July. And then I cut it, I think that August. And I haven't fully cut my hair since. I've like trimmed it. Uh, but... Yeah, so this is going on like two years and a couple months. I think this is the longest my hair has been, mm. and it's, yeah, it's a lot, but I'm, I'm glad it's very long. It's fun. The longest my hair has been was when I was like 10 or 11 years old, and I had a massive afro, like similar to the one that you're sporting now. Mm. Um, I used to hate having my long hair. Like, I liked having an afro, but I hated managing it. It's because a lot of work. It's a lot of work, but also there, when I was 10... The plethora of hair care products that are available now <laughs> were not available True. then. And my hair was just being ripped apart by all... Even conditioner wasn't a thing, like, at oh. all. So, it just... Oh. <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> Sounds very, like, annoying and painful. It was... It was yeah. A lot of yanking. A lot of waking up where the back of my head was flat and yep. I would pick it out. And that would hurt. Yep. Because it was dry. <laughs> yeah, brittle. <It> brittle. <laughs> <laughs> but now I can keep it moisturized, so it feels good now. <laughs> oh my gosh. Charles. Uh, unlike you guys, uh, my hair doesn't grow out, it grows kind of into itself. So 
it actually wasn't too long ago I, I decided like, I'm going to try really hard to grow an afro. Uh, maybe, I don't know, eight, nine years ago. I can't quite remember. I definitely was out here in Maryland. And I, I let it grow for months, which I don't remember how long. But, um, and I would pick it and, you know, try to do the thing. <laughs> And it was long. I mean, it was it was really long. And I look at pictures, one particular picture at a concert I was at. Um, and it is probably not long after that I cut it. And I look. I, I mean, I, I'm ugly. Just, <laughs> I, don't I don't believe that, Charles. I, don't, like, it, it, it was, I thought, like, oh, this is good. And I, I combed it. And I took care of it. And I took care of it, you know, for that concert. I, there's a picture of us, and I'm going... No, oh man, oh man, Charles, that was done? bad, and that's been confirmed by by Chelsea. Oh no, we were not dating at the time, but she goes, yeah, that was a good, <laughs> that was not a good look for you back In then. hindsight, oh no, oh you poor thing, it was, it was uh, oh, wow. Oh Ooh. my goodness, nice. I like I in college when I grew my hair out, I didn't take good care of it. Like I take good care of my hair now and like do protective styles and stuff like that, but in college it just grew. And so, like, there are some pictures I'll look back at, and it's, like, it, it doesn't necessarily look, like, that bad. It's, like, you just, I just look unkempt, <laughs> and there's just weird curl patterns just all over the place, and it's, like, okay, my hair was not healthy. <laughs> it's, a, it's a mistake. Oh, man, Charles, you can grow it out now. I believe in you. You can. Charles is not going to let me do that. Are you kidding? As, you know what? Did you notice? Good haircut I that, that I had. That, that lineup, though. Chelsea. That lineup. Chelsea, line Chelsea, Chelsea did that. Oh, Chelsea did that. Did she do that? Yeah. Woo. Shout out to you, Chelsea. I see, I see you. you. I mean, Charles is going to grow his hair out, but that is a nice lineup. <laughs> she can give you a good lineup while your hair is longer. Oh, that's harder to do. Chelsea's <laughs> listening. We don't want to discourage her. <laughs> you can't, because, I mean, you can get away with, like, a, a messy lineup when you have really low-cut hair, but when you have an afro and your, and your, your lineup looks... Maybe not a fro. Maybe just a taper. Like she just take we we'll talk Chelsea we'll talk. <laughs> oh my gosh, uh, I hope our listeners are also taking care of their hair. Uh, we are not sponsored by anyone who does hair care products yeah. yet. Curls. Um, <laughs> Shea moisture. Shea if you want to hit us up, got a lot of that in my hair now. <laughs> okay, so we are gonna get into our passage for the week. This week's passage is from John chapter twenty-one verses fifteen through nineteen. If you have your Bible and you aren't driving, you can start turning there now while I set the scene. Peter remembered that night all too well. He remembered standing outside, warming himself by a fire, when he was confronted by people who recognized him as a follower of the man who at that moment was being tried by the high priest. He remembered how three separate times, with fury and swearing, he claimed he had never met the man who he attested had the words of eternal life. Now, miraculously, he was looking at him face to face as they walked together along the shore of the Sea of Tiberias. He had been overcome with joy to see the Lord again, but then the memories crept back in, and with them, renewed feelings of guilt and shame. What did Jesus have to say about that night? So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, Do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, Tend my sheep. 
He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said, he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke to signify by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Gentlemen, in what ways is Peter just like us? Peter is just like us because there are going to be times due to our weakness where we step away from the Lord. And to call us back, part of him calling us back, he's going to ask us, do you love me? Because um, we all know that God loves us, but the bigger question is, do we love God? Or an equally big question is, do we love God in return? And there are going to be times when we step outside of that love and in some way, shape, or form, or exhibit some sort of infidelity to God. Don't be heartbroken over him asking you. Well, actually, maybe be heartbroken over the fact that he's asking you, do you love me? Like, know that the Lord is someone who wants us to reciprocate love to him. Um, like, Jesus asked Peter if he loved him three different times because prior to his crucifixion, he denied him three different times. And he's he wants he wants that to be covered. Yeah, I think there's... In, in doing this series of how biblical characters are just like us, there's something here that I think is really important, especially with Peter and uh, the person we'll talk about next week as well, in that as important as it is for us to take scripture seriously and to do what we try to do every week with this podcast to see ourselves in the stories, it is absolutely imperative that we don't just aim to see ourselves in the good stories and that we don't just aim to see ourselves in the way that someone is like, um, doing a good thing or in just the victories. This is ultimately a great story of redemption, but we can't really talk about it unless we also talk about what needed redeeming in the first place. Um, and in this case, it was Peter's relationship with Jesus. And when Jesus was taken away, when he was put on trial to be killed, Peter, who had said, I'll never deny you, denied him three times. And that's the tension that hangs in this passage. And yes, Jesus redeems that. And we'll talk more about that as well. But I think it's important for us to recognize, like, Peter's just like us because Peter denied Jesus. Um, he's just like us because he turned away from him. He's just like us because in a moment of crisis, he forgot who the Lord was. Um, and that's hard to hear. That's sobering to hear. But I think that it's not, it's not just a cautionary of tale to, tale to not be like Peter, but in this case, it is explicitly uh, something that says, be like Peter in the fact that he still went back to the Lord. It's not saying don't be like Peter and don't fall. You will. Um, don't be like Peter and don't deny Jesus. You have and you probably will again. Um, and though we should aim for holiness, we should aim to be um, being putting ourselves before the Lord be like Peter in that he didn't allow that very obvious, like glaring, ugly night to keep him from going back to Jesus. And he didn't see Jesus as so far from him or so done with him that he wasn't willing to have this hard conversation where Jesus was like, do you love me? Like Jesus asked him those questions to show him that there was redemption there. And I think that there's something in there with us, like in our valleys, when we have denied the Lord, when, to also respond likewise and not hide it 
but bring it to God. He's big enough to take it and to bring us into redemption with him. Yeah. I think there's something in this story that is reflective of Peter being just like us, is mo- that reflects more of Christ's nature in mm. that Peter's just like us in that the Lord knows that Peter and we need reminders of the times that we are disobedient or go against the Lord, but more importantly, need reminders of his love and his mercy Mm. um, and that his love and mercy overcomes all if we are repentant. So what do I mean by that? Well, uh, there are two very significant symbols that are happening um, in the lead up to this story um, for that are, are, I think are contextualize it. So, um, and, and I'll, I'll, uh, I got this from our good friend, Brendan, um, on a talk he gives mm-hmm. on this passage, but there are two symbols. First, they have breakfast and we start with, they finish breakfast. Well, um, there are two times in scripture that a charcoal fire is mentioned. First is when they're cooking this breakfast mm-hmm. at the beginning of the sec- uh, of, uh, of this passage. And the second is the charcoal fire that Peter is standing outside of mm-hmm. um, while he's warming himself when he denies Jesus the first time. Wow. Mm-hmm. In, I, I don't know if it's the Greek or, or whatever, but the language, there's only two mentions of it. And I think it's intentional mm. um, to this point, like Peter is in this moment where he's with Jesus and about to have this conversation is reminded um, that he screwed up. Yeah. And Jesus is the one who prepares the breakfast. He's standing on the shore while they're out fishing, um, which is another cool kind of thing that we don't have time to get into. <laughs> but um, he... Uh, he, and he prepares the breakfast for them. So it's, I think it's a very good intentional thing. Jesus is like putting this to the forefront yeah. of Peter's mind. Charcoal fire. I remember when I was next to this, a very similar fire and what I did when I was there. Um, and the second symbol is actually um, what happens even before that. They're out fishing. Uh, I think it's on the Sea of Galilee. And bef- before they even recognize it's Jesus... The same miracle where Jesus calls Peter first into being a fisher of men occurs. Mm. Where um, in this, in in scripture, in this passage in John, it's 153 fish appear in the net after, what do you know it? Another unsuccessful night of fishing. (laughs) Was Peter a a competent fisherman? It remains to be clear. (laughs) (laughs) But this man says, uh, you know, fish to the other side, I believe. And this the same miracle happens and that's when peter recognizes jesus Mm. um and i think it's it calls it it helps him see right before he has this conversation that christ still has despite this egregious error he's made christ still loves him and his call and still has a plan for his call in his life he's calling helping peter call to mind remember when i first called you you know the same kind of symbol sign miracle that happens there that's still, I still have that for you. And, and Christ, mm. I think, does that for us. Because oftentimes, I think, like, for myself, I can dwindle in my my sin and then be like, wow, I'm just, I'm just messed up and I yeah. really screwed up. And the Lord, through brothers and sisters, through uh, various institutions or whatever, is quick to be like, yup, but. Yep. <laughs> but I still love you. My mercy overrides anything you could have you could have done and have done and will do, um, and I still have a place for you in my kingdom. Mm. Wow! Ooh, way to just yeah. 
open the word up, Charles. Eden the scroll. Woo! That was... For that those of you who can't see, they're pantomiming cooking in a kitchen. <laughs> Gotta cook. Gotta chop some onions. There's a cauldron. Yeah. Apparently. Turn up the heat. Turn up the heat. So to piggyback off of that, Charles, um, uh, this idea that God still has a call for us, Jesus, like, God handles reconciliation beautifully. Like, there's this awkwardness that we feel when someone's apologizing and somebody's accepting the apology and there's like this how do we move forward like i don't feel good i I still feel that awkwardness of wronging you but jesus asks him and then he's like then feed my sheep like i still have work for you to be doing here and so god is so able to move through pain in such a healthy like obviously he's gonna do it in a healthy way he's god but like that's what we're called to to be able to release things like release the damage that has been done to us because we understand um god's character and we understand that we're supposed to be we're moving towards being like him Mm -hmm. um and so like in being reconciled with people like learning to release pain but also learning like all right we have work to do together we have life to live together we have things to accomplish um and I think this is one of the reasons that Peter wrote in 1 Peter 4, 8, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. And in writing that, like Jesus wrote, do you love me? He said, do you love me? And Peter being able to, to like profess his love for Jesus covered his previous rejections of him. Mm. I think it kind of bears out a question of, um, so in, in our own lives, how is it that we, I guess the question is like, how have you guys found it helpful to return to the Lord in times when you have uh, turned away? And so like Peter has this very, like Charles very well put, just this uh, this situation that Jesus like manufactures to align with this moment that he's calling to mind for Peter so that he can speak this redemption and like carry out this redemption through Peter. Um, but for us in just our daily lives and we find ourselves, uh, in ways we've turned away from the Lord, I guess like for you guys, what is helpful, like a practical thing for you that's been like, this is something that has helped me to come back to kind of get through the awkwardness of knowing that there's wrong there. And there's like uh, wrong between me and God, I guess, like, how do you, how have you guys found uh, help and like success in bringing those things to the Lord and returning to him? Well, typically it comes through, so, (laughs) surprise, the three of us are part of a small group together. And (laughs) so, like, a lot of times when I am, when I feel super awkward, when I know that I've sinned against God, either in the way that I've treated myself or that I've treated a brother or sister, um, and I feel, like, a tension about it, really what God's called, he's allowed me to feel that guilt, one, so that he knows, like, you did something wrong, but two, come back to me, because I'm, I'm someone you can trust with everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I, listen, I still love you, come back to me. Um, but typically, I, like, I'm being stupid, I resist that oftentimes, and I'm like, okay, I don't know what to do. And so I'll, I'll go to a, a men's group, uh, be loved by you all, be met with, like, my, my guilt or my emotion or my whatever baggage, is met with kindness, tenderness, and um, just you all gently and honestly reminding me, return to the Lord. Like, go back to him in prayer. Speak to him. And so then that's that's what I do as a follow-up. It's like, oh, this isn't awful. Mm-hmm. This, like, 
you remind me, you asking me, Eli, do you love me? Doesn't like make me feel like crap. Mm -hmm. Um, it makes me want to say yes, Lord. Mm. Um, so my, my close brothers and prayer, prayer is essential. Mm. Absolutely. I think for me, it's, the, the verse that comes to mind is my mercies are new um, every morning. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of my reflections in this kind of situation is um, upon repentance and, and not, not lip service, but repentance, which is uh, a, a turning away from the wrong to and turning back to Christ um, is the idea that it's a restart. It's a complete uh, it's a complete 180 in my heart and my mind and my actions and my speech, whatever. But it's also God has completely forgotten um, the deeds which I have performed that that separate me from Him, and I am starting from zero. Mm. You know, it, it's zero zero in sports analogy. Like, um, and there's there's no negative balance there or or whatever. It's I am a new creation mm. when I turn to the Lord in repentance and we know that he's going to he's going to bestow mercy and love upon us so i am a new creation i'm starting from from zero every time every time mm -hmm. as long as i'm truly repentant yeah. i'm i'm starting from scratch and so i've tried to to cultivate that same kind of mentality of like when i come before the lord and repent um then i i forgive or i I'm not forgive i <laughs> i forget I'm like okay all that stuff that I just confessed before the Lord is, is gone. It's crucified. Mm -hmm. It's been washed by the blood of the Lamb. Mm -hmm. And I'm starting as a new creation. And I'm going to I'm gonna miss it. I'm gonna miss the mark again. <laughs> um, I don't want to, but concupiscence. We have a tendency towards sin. Um, our the flesh is willing, but the spirit is weak. Is that the flesh is weak, spirit is willing. Fle flesh is weak, spirit is willing. There we go. Um, so I'm, I'm gonna fall again, but as you know, that right mentality and saying, I'm going to just forgive. I mean, I'm just going to forget every time, every time I'm going to start fresh. Mm -hmm. I'm going to live in, uh, in, as a new creation every time. Hmm. Absolutely. I think yeah, for me, similar point, like uh, the first point is repentance and an act of turning away, but also like kind of staying in a place of repentance to recognize that itself as a gift. Mm. and recognizing the fact that I feel the need to repent proves the Lord's work in me, even in this moment of returning from like brokenness yeah. and recognizing the wrong has been done. It's like the fact that I feel the need to repent about this is a good thing. And that is a, in itself a gift from God to be able to see that he's actively trying to call me back. Um, and then I think like to your point as well, Charles, I think for, in terms of the, I'm not as good at forgetting. Like I, uh, there's somewhere I think in the Psalms this is like my sins are ever before me. Like I've always struggled mm. with like, like I know me, yeah. like I live with me every day. <laughs> and like, I, I know the things about me, either internal or external that I'm not uh, proud of or happy about. And so it's hard for me to forget that. But when I struggle to forget like my own humanity in a very flawed way, I remember that Jesus doesn't, not only does he not remember like I do, he also forgives differently than I do. Mm. Um, and like the, like the scripture is littered with examples of how God speaks about sin. Like at somewhere in, 
don't know where it is. Somewhere in, uh, I think it's Ezekiel. I think it's like there's something where God says, talks about, like, talking about the sin of people is that it's like I cast it into the bottom of the sea. And so remembering, or like my go-to is um, Romans 5, 8, which is like, but while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so I call that to mind to remind myself that like, yeah, I know me. I live with me every day. So does God. He knows me perfectly. He knew me before I was born and chose to die for me then. So my faults, my sinfulness, the ways that I'm, uh, that I turn away as Peter did, do not surprise him. And they don't kind of like to you think, Charles, they don't put like a balance on his account of something right. else that needs to be atoned for. Exactly. It's like, I paid that. And I can lean into that and lean into the fact that God's heart for me is one of like, the debt has been paid, continue to like, like go forward and sin no more. Like the woman caught in adultery and just kind of remembering mm. that God forgives differently than people and better than people Amen. and forgets quicker than I do. And I can take refuge in that. Mm. Yeah, I think, Todd, you highlighted it beautifully. Um, but, like, that's one of the major battles that we as Christians face is, like, the battle of feeling fraudulent. And I think one of the things we have to come back to, to your point, Jarrell, is just, like, I'm, it, I'm not going to repent with a me-focused repentance. Mm. I need to focus on God. Mm. And we've talked about this before in the past two episodes, just, like, God's character, God's character, God's character. And it's funny that in this series of Just Like Us, the first three episodes are so much about God's character. Mm -hmm. um, like, Just Like Us, we want to rest in God's character. So when you repent, you're not doing it because, Lord, I'm, uh, I feel like I'm just going to screw up again. You're not thinking about what may happen. You're thinking about what God is actually doing in that moment, mm -hmm. what he's actually offering in that moment. The, re the, the reality of mercy, the reality of grace, it's so much bigger than you. And... Every single time you sin, I might mess this up. Every single time you sin is like an egregious thing that God lets you survive because he loves you and because mm. he gave his son. I forget who told me that, but it's just like you need to rest comfortably in the fact that Jesus died for you. Mm -hmm. Like run to God mm -hmm. because that is the safest part for you and that's the biggest refuge for you. Um, yeah, I... It's interesting you say run to God because uh, it's not quite running, but in this passage, mm. Peter does essentially he that. Jumps out when the he, boat. he jumps out yeah. the boat. And yeah. I think he's, they're not far from shore. Like, there's not really a, a need for Peter. I mean, this is Peter's character to like jump out the boat. <laughs> right. The disciples like, 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 extra Peter. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's Peter again. We're hitting but, like, ground. <laughs> But Peter's like, as soon as he recognizes his Lord, he's yeah. like, I got to go. Yeah. I can't wait. Yeah. And he run, runs, jumps out the boat, yeah. swims to the Lord. Like, be frantic about your Lord, yes. You know Amen. what I'm saying? Like, have all the urgency because that's that's not the place. You're going to meet a Heavenly Father with his arms outstretched. I mean, there's so many parables about return. Like the prodigal son, like, mm -hmm. return to the Lord. And it, there's just that open embrace that's waiting for you. Don't let guilt be the, the, like the purpose of guilt is purpose of guilt is to drive you back to the Lord the purpose mm -hmm. of shame is a tool of the devil to separate you from him and so don't let your guilt devolve into shame yeah um, and yeah. Like we've seen that with other episodes like with Zacchaeus and the woman at the well and the woman yeah. caught in adultery it's like Jesus is explicitly dealing with their situations as they are and like we talked about this uh, as like kind of a wrap-up of that season but he's not doing it 
for the sake of condemnation. Nicodemus as well. And it says, like, the Son of Man came uh, not to condemn, but to yeah. bring salvation. Yeah. And that doesn't, like, in no way is that justifying, like, a like Paul says, should we then take advantage of the grace of God? Absolutely not. Like, no. the call to repent is exactly, as you said, Charles, a call to repent and to turn away. And whether it's the first time to the thousand and first time. Um, but there is that that understanding of the heart of God, the nature of God, is not one to throw sin in your face to, like, shame you the way that, like, like I would. <laughs> it's just like a flawed person um but is to bring you to repentance and to show you that restoration is possible like on on your worst day god saw you as someone worth dying for mm. and that should anchor the way that we see repentance and anchor the way that we as you said charles jump out of the boat back to him yeah and it's just as like i think a final note for me at least um we know that Peter winds up dying. Mm. Um, it's like, it's like yeah, prophesied there. Yeah. It is. It's prophesied there. We know that Peter ends up dying for the glory of God. And so a lot of times you can listen to uh, talks like this or sermons like this and say, well, I guess it doesn't matter what I do. As you mentioned earlier, it's like, no, you shouldn't go on to the grace. May, you shouldn't go on sending to the grace may abound. Mm -hmm. But it's also like when you make God your refuge in good and bad times, you will learn to gradually resist the things that you know that God hates. You will begin to have a heart that hates the things that God hates you. You will begin to find your refuge, your comfort, your like your refreshment, not in things that are broken in the world, but in the but in the one the one who saved you from your own sins, right? Mm. Um there is hope change is actually possible mm. like i think a lot of times we're just like well i guess i'm just never going to change i guess this is always going to be a temptation for me like it might always be a temptation for you but you can change yeah um being able to resist is is uh one of the many fruits of having a relationship a genuine relationship with the lord so just some encouragement for all those listening amen absolutely and that is all for this week thank you so much for listening you can check us out at at thewell.podbean.com we upload new episodes every Monday on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. You can also connect with us on Twitter and Instagram by searching Three Guys at the Well. And head over to our Facebook page to keep the conversation going and a space reserved for further discussion of the topics we cover in each week's episode. We'll talk to you next week here at the Well.